Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. So I think that everybody in this room and anybody watching online, that I can fit you into three categories, okay? You are asking this question that I'm about to ask in a minute right now. This is really live and really current. You have asked this question, so you're going to be nodding as I talk. And if you're in the third category, you will ask this question at some point in your life. Whether you're a follower of Jesus, whether you believe in God or not, you're asking this question, does God care? If God is real, does God care? And can we know for sure that God cares? That's the question that we're looking at today. Does God care and can we know for sure? Some of you are asking that question right now. You're in the middle of a circumstance and a situation and you're saying, does God really care about me in this situation? Does he care and can I know for sure? Some of you have asked that question. And if you haven't ever asked that question, you will ask it at some point in your life. You really will. And today I'm going to open up a kind of a response to that by something that I think is something that Jesus possessed, which is so genius that it's the one evidence for the fact that we can be sure today that God does care and that we can know that absolutely for sure. But before we do that, I want to ask you another question, okay? Before I tell you what, that, what this one thing is, I want to ask you another question. Have you ever been misunderstood? Anyone ever been misunderstood? Yeah? Okay, I, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, when was I misunderstood? And, and, and I think I was talking about this while we were on holiday to somebody that we was talking to. Years ago, um, I, me and another friend of mine, we were in a band together and we were leading a Christian skiing holiday. It's a tough job following Jesus, it really is. Someone's got to do it. And we were leading this holiday and we were doing the music and I was speaking. And then in the après ski thing that they do, uh, we went out into the town and we ended up in a karaoke bar. Now let's just do a little bit of a thing. Karaoke is like Marmite, okay? So let me see, in the room and online, in our locations as well, who likes doing karaoke? Let me see your hand. Who would rather die than do karaoke, okay? It's a little bit of a Marmite thing. Now, here's the thing, right? I'm in this karaoke bar, and because I'm a musician, and this other fella was, and we were in a band, and we we're on stage and all that, they all t- the guy says, who wants to do the next karaoke song? Everybody in the group turns and looks at me and this, this mate of mine, and they say, they'll do it. And this is what they said, they're professionals. <laughs> They'd love to do it because they think we're musicians. I'm on stage a lot. I'm going to love karaoke. I hate karaoke with a passion and I'm dragged onto stage with my mate not only do do we do one song we do a second song they wouldn't let us leave we did a third song we did a fourth song we did a whole set we absolutely murdered let me entertain you angels New York New York and I can't even remember the rest of them and I got off the stage and I thought I absolutely hate that and everyone was like you loved that didn't you no because I was misunderstood and when you're misunderstood you don't feel cared for You don't feel known. But when you're understood, everything changes. Let me show you this picture. This picture here is the funeral of a president. It's FDR, Franklin D. Roosevelt. And as he's being led to the streets, there's an amazing story that there was a mourner at the side somewhere there who was so moved, he was in tears. And a reporter said to him, you're so moved at this funeral. Did you know the president? Immediately he replied, I didn't know him but he knew me. 
It's really interesting, isn't it? That sense of connection, we actually could call empathy. Because empathy is the genius that I think Jesus had more than any other person who's ever lived on planet earth. And it's this genius which I think is the evidence that God not only cares for us, but that we can know for sure that he not just cares, but he gets us, he understands us. So what is empathy? The dictionary defines empathy as the ability to sense other people's emotions, coupled with the ability to imagine what someone else might be thinking or feeling. It's not just about the connection with emotions. It's about, it's about almost like being in that space with them and getting it and understanding it. Now, empathy is different from lots of other words, okay? So it's different from pity. So pity is from the word piety. It's an old English word. And it's kind of, there's a connection, but there's a little tone of superiority when you pity somebody. You kind of get it a little bit, but you're kind of looking down. And then there's the word sympathy, And sympathy is where there is an emotional connection, but that's about it. And then you move on from sympathy and you get compassion, where there's not just that emotional connection, but that that compassion, it, it it demands action. Okay, Jesus was compassionate and he didn't just feel someone's pain, he went towards it. But here's the thing with empathy, okay? You see, if compassion moves you to action, empathy moves you to understanding, doesn't just move you to action, it moves you to understanding. And this is where the genius of Jesus comes in. And we've been, we've been working uh, with this book, The Genius of Jesus, which is by Erwin McManus. I want to credit it to him. He does a chapter in here on empathy, which is genius, to be honest with you. And much of the material I'm going to share with you is from this book. Some's my own, especially at the end, but much of it is his, and I want to give him credit. And I know many of you have read this book, and I'd encourage you, you know, maybe you're not a reader, you can get it on Audible. There's nothing in this for me. Can I just say that before I feel like I'm doing a pitch here? It's just such a brilliant book about Jesus. And I really want to encourage you to get that. But he says, and I'm going to give you some of the quotes. One of the quotes he says in the book is this. Jesus did not simply come to ensure that we understand God. He came so that we would know that God understands us. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And there's that like mirror, okay? And if you want to know what God's like, You look at Jesus. And I know many people who say, I don't believe in God. And then when you talk to them a little bit more, they they say things like, why did my mom die the way she did? Why did this happen? Why did that? How can God have let that happen? It's not that they don't believe in God. They just don't know whether God cares. They just don't understand whether God understands them or not. And he absolutely does. And when you look at Jesus, you see someone who embodied empathy so much. He has an interaction with um, what the Bible calls a rich young ruler. And uh, the rich young ruler wants to, wants to know about eternal life. And Jesus says, sell everything you've got because that's the thing that's holding you back. And then you'll experience that life that you're looking for. And the Bible says that he turned away and walked away. And the Bible says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. That's what empathy does. Now, he didn't chase after him. Because empathy does have boundaries. We're not talking about rescuing people. We're talking about feeling. We're talking about connecting. We're talking about understanding. And Jesus looked at this man and he loved him. Jesus often looked at people who were outcasts and who were outsiders. They were on the edges of society. And he reached out to them and he touched people that nobody else would touch. And he spoke to people that nobody else would speak to. And he stopped what he was doing in order to be interrupted by somebody else because of 
empathy. And the empathy that he had meant that women felt safe around him. Kids felt safe around him. People on the outside of society felt safe around him. The only people that didn't were the religious people. And it was his empathy that challenged them so much because their faith in God had become this head knowledge rather than a heart living experience. And that's what I want to open up with you today. And um, he goes on to say, oh, McManus, uh, this, for there to be empathy, there must be incarnation. Empathy takes the heart of another person and puts it inside your own soul. How profound is that? And I think that when we look around our world right now, we need a lot more of this. We need a lot more of this. Rather than the judging, rather than the, the quick post on social media, rather than the you're wrong, I'm right. We need a lot more of this empathy, the genius of empathy. And the genius of empathy that we see in Jesus, for me, is the evidence that I can know for sure that God cares for me. And what we're going to do, if you've got a Bible, we're going to look at a brilliant story. It's a quite a well-known story for some of you. But it's a story of Jesus' interaction with a brother and two sisters. And we find it in the Gospel of John, which is one of the letters, one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And it's in John chapter 11. Okay, so if you've got a Bible, you might want to switch it on or open it up uh, if, you're, if you're old school. Uh, or we'll look at it here on the screen. So we're going to dip into the story a little bit. It says this, now a man named Lazarus was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay ill, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is ill. And that's deliberate, isn't it? It's like, you love this person, okay? So he's ill, you need to come and you need to help is basically what's happening here. Okay, now, now let me give you a plot spoiler if you don't know the story. Jesus doesn't respond straight away, he waits. By the time he gets there, two days later, Lazarus is dead. He's in the tomb. And then there's a whole interaction, and that's what we're going to look at. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, which is amazing. You could say, well, that's the evidence that God cares for me, that he intervenes and gives me what I want. No, that's not the evidence of his empathy. That's the evidence of his divinity. But we're going to look at the revelation of his humanity, not the revelation of his divinity. Because between that situation, when he arrives and Lazarus is dead and he raises him from the dead, there's a whole load of other stuff going on. So we're going to look at that right now. I think. <laughs> I lost my Yeah, here we go. John 11. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And, and this, this kind of statement um, that he says, my brother would not have died, is so powerful, isn't it? Because what she's saying is this. If you'd have been here, this thing wouldn't have happened. So my question is, if you say you care, why did you let this happen? Why did you let this happen? If you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. So either you're not capable or you're not loving. Either you're not capable 
or you don't care. Because if you were capable and if you cared, you'd have been here and then this bad thing wouldn't have happened. And when I, when I was reading this, because he talks about this story a little bit in that book, I, I stepped away from it and, I'm, and I thought about it and prayed. And I felt that God gave me a little phrase of my own, which was this, the wounds of why. And, and, and as it hit me, I thought, I wonder how many of us, if we're honest, st- carry the wounds of why. The wounds of why did that happen? That why did that turn out that way? That why did that happen in the way it happened? That why did that person do that? Why did that person leave? Why did that happen? Why did my child turn out that way? Why did that happen at work? Why did that happen? And the wounds of why we carry. For some of us today, the wounds are very raw and very real, aren't they? They're open wounds. For some of us, they're not open wounds. They're more like scars. And they're kind of like picked at occasionally. And we go, oh, you know that when when you've caught yourself something, you go, oh. Maybe for some of us, they're scars that have faded, but we know they're there. They're the wounds of why. And here's the thing. I think for many of us, we think, well, if Jesus could just give me the answers, if God gave me the answers to the why, then I'd know that he cares. But I'm not sure that's true. I'm not sure that we, in one sense, can ever have the answers to why. And even if we did, I'm not sure whether that would be enough for us to know that God cares. So did Jesus give the answers to Mary and Martha for why he didn't turn up and why their brother had died? Well, let's look at what happens next. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said exactly the same thing that Martha said. Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. This is an incredible story. And I love this story. And they're both, Martha and Mary are saying, Lord, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. Why didn't you come? Give me an answer. Jesus doesn't give an answer. The Bible says in that space, Jesus was deeply moved. How do you know someone's deeply moved? Okay. You know when someone says something to you really bad and you go, oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's really bad. Is that deeply moved? How did they know? How does the writer know that Jesus was deeply moved? He doesn't say anything. But in the original language, that phrase, deeply moved, literally is like the snort of an animal. It sounds really weird, but it's like something happened when he heard that Lazarus had died and when he saw the grief around him. And bearing in mind, these were his friends. Lazarus was his friend. Mary and Martha were his friends. He spent time in their home. He hung out with them. When he saw that and he felt that compassion, it was so involuntary that within him there was like a snort of anguish and pain. And then he wept. Guys, to me, this is the genius of empathy. He's feeling what they're feeling. It's like their pain has travelled into his soul. This is how I know that God cares us. The empathy is unreal. And you know, he wept over his friend that day. Well, you know it's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Well, it's one of them actually. But Jesus wept. And often people use it in our culture, you know, and I hate it when people say that. I really do. Because Jesus wept to me is not a profanity. It's a, it's a statement. It's a revelation of the humanity of Jesus and the love and the heart. And he weeps over a friend. There's another occasion when he weeps. Not over a friend, over a what? Anyone? 
You didn't expect me to do that, did you? Over a city. He weeps over the city of Jerusalem. He still does. He weeps over Maripol. He weeps over Aleppo. He weeps over Birmingham. He weeps over every city where there's brokenness and where there's pain and where there's anguish. He also weeps over every city where there's people who don't know that they also should be weeping. Erwin McManus goes on to say this in his book. I love this. His tears were for those whose hearts were hardened and their eyes still dry. Jesus wept for those who did not know they should be crying. He weeps for those who are crying and he weeps for those who don't know that they should be crying. His, his, his heart is so for our brokenness, so for our pain that he can't help. There's that snort, there's that involuntary action of being deeply moved that leads to tears. You see, Jesus in his life had lots of people following him, okay? And we did a series on this in January and, and we looked at this. He had fans, people that kind of followed him because, ooh, he's great, he's doing great things. And then he had real followers who followed him even when he wasn't doing great things and even when it was tough. And he also had friends. And these three guys weren't fans, they were followers and actually they were friends. And the Bible says in John 14, I've called you friend. I no longer call you servant, I've called you friend. Isn't that amazing? That, that, that God would invite us into a friendship, relationship with him, where when we feel pain, he also feels pain. Now, does he step in and do something? Absolutely he does. Does he always? We've already looked at that. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. That's not the evidence that God cares for you. The evidence God cares for you is that God feels and understands your pain. And this to me is amazing. Several times in John 11, John says, he repeats the phrase, he loved him. This is the disciple that he loved. I'm sorry, this is, the, this is the person that he loved. When the Jews saw that he loved him. Why does he keep repeating that? Because interestingly enough, in the Jewish kind of understanding and Jewish writing, I know this was written in Greek, but in the Jewish writing, there's no phrase or there's no context for good, best or better, Okay. So what the Jewish people used to do in their writings is they would repeat something to make a point. So you'd get truly, truly, or verily, verily, or holy, holy, holy. In fact, as a worship leader, I remember somebody in church once saying to me, why do we keep singing the song over and over again? And I said, what do you mean? He says, it says in the Bible, we should only sing the song three times. I says, where do you see that? Holy, holy, holy. Duh. But, but that repetition is an exclamation point that's made in the, in the literature. And so what John is doing is he's repeating this to make a point. He loved him. He loved him. He loved him. And when he loved him, he felt for him. He felt their pain. This is the empathy that God has for every single person. And I don't know what pain you are carrying right now. I realise this is a little heavy. It will, it will shift in a minute, okay? I promise. But whether you're watching in a location, whether you're watching online, whether you're here in the room, maybe you have the wounds of why right now. And you think, why is this going on with my health? Why is this going on with that person I love? Why does this keep happening? You know, I, I'm always staggered and so moved. But messages that, that we get, you know, all, all the time, uh, people and, and some people's lives. And it's like one tragedy and another and another. And you think, oh, God, you know, they're, they're, this person's having so much. And I don't know the answer to that. But maybe you're carrying some of those wounds of why. And right now, all that you need, more than answers, is just that sense that God gets it. He understands and he loves you. That's the genius of empathy. 
But here's the thing. One more quote from Mary McManus. Probably not one more, probably a few. Empathy is not only the highest form of intelligence, it's the deepest expression of love. You see, I think it's what you and I need more than anything else in the world. I think it's what our world needs more than anything else right now, is an unlocking of the genius of empathy. So, if the genius of Jesus is transferable, okay, and if genius is truth, and we can unlock the truth as we learned last week, if, gen- if the genius of Jesus is that he is empathic and he is the perfect embodiment of empathy, how can you and I unlock this genius of empathy within ourselves? Now, I don't want to give the impression that here's five easy steps to do it and you can do it yourself, okay? But I want to just share a few thoughts that I've got of how we can be a people who carry empathy and display empathy much more to our world around us. Okay, so number one is this. Be willing to be fully present. When we're talking with people, and I am terrible at this, okay? Some of you have been on the other side of this. You know that I can be bad at this, all right? It's not my heart. In fact, I'll give you a brand, a right up-to-date example of this in, in the spirit of full disclosure. When we were on holiday last week, whenever it was, um, we'd been out for the day. We came back for the room. We were just resting before we are going out for the evening. And uh, I'm lying on the bed, and it's Saturday, so the football's on. Okay, Alison began talking to me about something really important. Okay, about her in a situation. I won't say what it is, but she began to, and I'm and I'm doing what blokes do. Mm, mm. Anyone ever done that? Yes. Some of you are looking at each other right now. And then there was a really important bit of revelation that she had about herself and about a situation to which I went, "Get in there," <laughs> because we just scored a goal. All right, so I had to say, she said, you're not listening to me. And I had to come clean. That doesn't display empathy, does it? All right, so I'm horrible at this sometimes. But being fully present when you're talking with somebody is so, so important. And we can tell, can't we, when someone's present or they're not present. Okay, by their body language, by the way they're looking for somebody else, by the way they respond. Empathy is present. It's fully present. You don't ever get the sense from Jesus, do you? That Jesus was like, come on, get on with it. You know, oh, there's somebody else that's more important than you. You don't ever get that. He was always fully present. Number two, be willing to ask questions. You've heard me say this before. I am staggered, absolutely staggered at the amount of conversations that I have with people where I never, ever get asked a question back. I'm staggered. And when you ask a question, it conveys something. It conveys interest. It conveys empathy. It conveys understanding. But when you never ask a question, it conveys completely the opposite. Wouldn't it be amazing, amazing in our world if we stopped, and even with people that we didn't know, and asked some questions and got to know people and conveyed somehow. I was walking over the town the other day and there was a fella picking up litter. And um, I just stopped and said thank you to him. I think he thought, I, I don't know what, he, he had a really weird reaction when I just stopped and said thank you for what he was doing. But the kind of interaction that I think would make a massive impact in our world is when we take time to be fully present and when we're willing to ask questions. But then number three, we've got to be willing to really listen to the answers without moving to fix it, divert or distract. Christians, we're terrible at this at times because when we hear something painful, we immediately want to say, but God loves you and God will do this and God will do that. And that's all true, but it doesn't convey understanding. It doesn't convey empathy. Jesus didn't 
answer all their questions. He just was deeply moved and wept. And in that space, they knew he understood. They knew he understood. Um, A guy called Rick Warren, who's a pastor at Saddleback in California, he said this, the deeper the pain, the fewer the words. And I want to hold this for a minute because he said this just after his eldest son, Matthew, took his own life. Matthew loved Jesus, and I've listened to this guy talk about this, and it is so unbelievably painful. And I know for some of you here in the room and watching, you know the reality of this. And he said, as a pastor of a very large church, that when they got to Matthew's house and realized he'd taken his own life, he said his connect group, his small group, were there at that same time. They took us into their house, okay, or they came into our house, Stayed the night, cooked meals with us, didn't say anything. They just were there. He said, there's nothing they could have said because the deeper the pain, the fewer the words. And for some of us, we're going through so much difficult stuff, so much pain that we don't need someone else coming along with some words. We just need somebody there who says, I'm here. I'm here. That's what God does. That's what Jesus does. That's what the genius of empathy can do if we will allow it. And I think going on from that, number four, be willing to sit with discomfort. You know, this is, this is so important. Again, back to Erwin McManus for another time. Um, God not only knows everything, he feels everything. It is not beneath God to feel. It is not beneath God to care. It is not beneath God to weep. If you want to be more like Jesus, learn to weep when others weep. In other words, be willing to sit a little bit with discomfort, not try to fix it or divert or distract. And then finally, number five, be willing to receive the genius of empathy. This is so important. I don't think we can give what we haven't got. And I think for some of us, and this is where we're going to land in a moment, I think we need to receive some of that again. You know, it's been an exhausting couple of years. Many of us are are depleted. You know, we don't feel very empathic. You know, we feel a bit emotionally exhausted. Maybe we need to receive some of the genius of the empathy of Jesus before we can give it out. And you know, if I had a pound for every single time a Christian has said to me, we need more deep things. This isn't deep enough, okay? I could open that up and start ranting, which I won't, all right? But I love the way Manus says it in his book. The deep things of God are never academic. They're always intimate. You see, what me, people say when they say deep things is, I want deep knowledge. I want more knowledge. I want more knowledge. Nothing wrong with knowledge. But the deep things of God, the deepest things of God are never academic. They're always intimate, Which is why the Apostle Paul, when he writes to the church at Ephesus, he writes this incredible prayer and it says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, out of his genius, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. Because that's how this is going to be unlocked, through his spirit, the spirit of Jesus within you, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And when Christ dwells in your hearts by faith, this is what's going to happen. And then you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. When we allow the genius of the empathy of Jesus to fill us, it's like he unlocks that and he enables us to love like he loves. He enables compassion when we don't have it. He enables even me to put the phone down and not listen to the football and talk to my wife. Do you know what I mean? Because actually it's his power at work within us which is unlocking this genius within us. 
So I want to encourage you. I want to invite you in the time that we've got left to do a little bit of work with God. And whether you're a follower of Jesus or whether you're not, whether you've been on this journey for years or whether you've been on this journey for weeks or months, the genius of the empathy of Jesus is that we can receive it on a daily basis and he can unlock it within us so that we can give that to other people. I wonder if you could imagine with me a world, right, where we could get beyond ourselves so that we could connect with the hearts of others and the lives of others. I wonder if you can imagine with me a world where we didn't judge other people who, let's face it, we haven't walked a meter in their shoes, let alone a mile or a day or a year or a life. Can you imagine with me a world where we as followers of Jesus weren't known for what we're against or even known for what we're for, but we're known by how we love? What would that look like? How do we know that God really cares for sure? Well, because He sent Jesus. He gave us His best. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to know what the Father's like? Look at me. How do we know that God is a good, good Father? Because of Jesus and the genius of empathy and the way that Jesus stood in the gap and fell and had compassion and could act and could change things as well. But that compassion and that empathy is the revelation that our God is a good, good Father. And I know that when I say good, good Father, that's really hard for many of you to hear and to receive because of your experience. But there's something genius about God that even, and I had a great father, but even a great father relationship is, a, is a, just a, 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 like nothing, like a, a pale imitation of what God is really like. So whether you've had a good experience or a bad experience, our God is a good good Father and He cares for us and He cares for you. And I want to invite you all to stand and in our locations I want to invite you to stand as well and we're going to do something a little bit different. Okay, so I invite you to stand guys and I want to pray for some of you who maybe today, maybe today your wounds of why are really raw. Okay, you're asking why questions right now and for you you're, you're actually saying I need to know right now that there is empathy for me. And maybe you're in a situation where where you really need to receive some of the empathy of Jesus again. And so what I'm going to invite you to do is I'm going to invite you not to stand because you're all standing, not to come out. I'm going to invite you just to sit down. Because as you sit down, you see, this is the great thing about the empathy of Jesus. Jesus sits with us where we're at. Jesus sits in our pain. Jesus sits with our pain and helps us. And so if that's you, I want to invite you right now in our locations, in our sites, here in the room. If that's you and you you want to say, God, I need to receive some of your empathy again. I want to invite you just to sit and I want to pray for you. Father, you, you see not only those who are sitting, but you see what they're sitting in. And you see what they're sitting with. You see what they're carrying. You see the wounds of why. You see the questions. You see the pain. And God, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Would you let them know that you are with them? Would they hear like Martha and Mary heard, almost like that kind of, involuntary snort of compassion, that that reaction, that sense of, of you weeping with them and over them and over their situation. And God, would they know that you are with them 
We sang it right at the beginning. You're with us in our fire. Lord, you're with us in our pain. You're with us in our questioning. You are with us, Jesus. God, would you fill them with your presence and with your spirit, I pray. May they know that they are radically loved by you, that they are known by you. And Lord, the situation may not change at all, but God, may they know that they're not on their own. And may they know for sure that you care for them. Jesus, would you strengthen, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. And guys, if you want us to pray for you, we would love to pray for you. There is a prayer space at the, at the end of our service. We've not finished. We're going to worship now. And, and if you'd like someone to pray with you personally, we'd love to do that. Or if you want it online, we can pray for you online as well. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. We're going to receive from God. Good, good Father. That's what I've asked the guys to do. And, and as we sing this, there's a, there's a line in this where it says, He calls us deeper. And calling us deeper is never academic. It's always intimate. It's always deeper into an understanding and an experience of His love. And when that love deeply sits within us, we will want to unlock that and share it with our world around us. So as we worship, let's invite the Holy Spirit to come and not only to touch us, but to maybe to shake us, maybe to, maybe to, to get, cause us to become a little bit more uncomfortable so that we could see some of that genius of empathy that we've received unlocked and shared with our world. Let's worship Him together.